Did you know today is Giving Tuesday? In case you don't know what that is, Giving Tuesday is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving that promotes a day of charitable giving at the beginning of the holiday season. I should probably take a step back and explain that JD, my husband and my business partner, we take Giving Tuesday very seriously because we both think it's extremely important to help others in need. I've mentioned before that JD and I created an endowment for the Children's Hospital of Orange County on behalf of Social Curator, and we also sit on the board of Austin Angels. Now, Austin Angels is an organization that walks alongside children in the foster care system, and it supports their foster families. I had the opportunity to come across Austin Angels and I participated by flying to an event in Texas where I had the opportunity to work along JD and around 30 other people where we were given Target gift cards to go in and we supported a family in the foster care system. So what did it look like? We were given children to shop for. We were given a list of their biggest Christmas dreams. We were told about who they were and what their dreams were and how they were doing in school. And the founder and CEO, her name is Susan, she said, Jasmine, we have a dream and we have a vision that there are people who are taking care of foster children. And more than anything, what we want them to do is to know the color of the eyes of the children they're taking care of and the desires of their heart. More than anything, Susan tells me, she says, you know what, Jasmine? These children need to know that they are seen and that they are loved because they have gone through so much. We are actively involved in this organization, and I had an opportunity to speak about how each of the national chapters of the Angel Organization can use social media to connect caring and amazing donors to children who need help within the foster care system. So a bit ago, I traveled to Texas. Again, I love me some Texas. You know what I'm saying? It's like the bigger the hair, the closer to God. You have like, it is totally normal and okay to really size up beautiful and amazing cowboy boots. I was there as a city girl and I was like, you know what I need? I need a pair of boots. That's what I need. I didn't get them, but like my heart is there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to go back to Texas and I'm going to get me some cowboy boots. For those of you guys who are like in the inns, like for those of you who know cowboy boots, I want a really great pair. Like I want to like walk through Texas and I want people to say, hot dang, is that girl Texan? Cause she sure looks like one. That's what I want. So if you know where to get really amazing cowboy boots, Let me know because when I go back and when I have the opportunity to collaborate again in person with the Angels organization, I want to be wearing some boots. So a bit ago, uh, I traveled to Texas for the Angels annual conference to teach, but an unexpected surprise was that the founder, like I'd mentioned, Susan, she asked me to sit down for a Q&A. And that was really cool because it was recorded. What I'm about to share is a unique business meets lifestyle conversation where I share social tips, business tricks for scalable growth, and a really personal glimpse into my life as an entrepreneur. So let's dig into that now. All right, so I'm gonna go over a couple of questions that you guys have asked and then we're going straight personal. And I already asked her if I could do this. Yeah. Yeah, bring it on. Okay, so 
and, and some of this you've already kind of answered, but um, do you believe that each person in their respective cities should have a face to the organization? Because you said this earlier, and we know this mm -hmm. to be true. People give to people. People don't give to mm -hmm. nonprofits. And you talk about trust. Mm -hmm. And so for Austin, I am the face, mm -hmm. but I am not the face in Cleveland or Cedar Falls or anywhere else. So do you believe that the chapter president should be the face, or do you think that it should be the company? What, what's your take on that? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna split the difference because I don't like to say things to people that feel so counterintuitive and against who they are. Like if you just hate being in front of the camera and it is just it is painstaking for you, I'm not gonna say you have to do it to succeed. However, it would be really important for you guys to showcase in each chapter people on the team again and again so that it becomes regular. I believe that every person on the team in the chapter should be contributing. I believe you should have a Google Doc when inspiration hits and you just go to this Google Doc on your phone as you're waiting in the carpool line in park with your car turned off and you just write something real quick so that the team has access to different ideas. And whenever the team is together, it does not have to be good. If you guys have a 15-minute coffee powwow and somebody gets their phone and takes a picture of like your angel's your National Angels like header and like your hands in a coffee, like around coffee cups, great. If you just got like a halo and you're just feeling yourself, right? Hey, hey halo. And you take a selfie, that is okay for you to go out and not talk about the halo, but you could talk about whatever it is you want to talk about if you're just feeling really great. Like this light outside is gorgeous and all of you are cleaned up bright and early on a Saturday morning, take a photo with your team. Take the name tags off and then do individual photos on portrait mode on your iPhone. It's overcast today, so all the light everywhere is really great. You can't take a bad photo. Now, notes to taking photos. Don't take them at belly length. Don't take them here. For ladies specifically, bring your phone up just slightly above the person who's taking it, slightly above their eye, and then tip it down slightly. Gives everybody a really good angle. Okay. Okay. So all that to say, all that to say, faces work. If you can incorporate the team, please do. But don't let the story you tell yourself, like your message is supposed to be heard. And oftentimes, if you want more people to listen to your message, it comes by way of faces. This is why real estate agents kill the game. They put their face on everything. How often have you seen really hot and then, hey, maybe they show up. Whatever they look like, they show up. We can all show up in the same capacity. So how much of our social media strategy should be spent on doing stories versus actual in-feed? Because are people watching more stories than they are kind of scrolling through? Um, statistically, people are still in the feed more. Oh. But that doesn't mean that our posts will show up as a result just because people are there more. So I use stories as a mechanism to spur engagement to show what I am doing in my feed. Mm -hmm. So I, and here's the thing, you guys will choose what works for you. I just know to get to where I wanna go and map my goals, I show up on stories every day and I show up on Instagram six times a week. I've noticed and then I started doing it too because I see when people do a post, they will do the little airplane to send it to their stories. Yes. So you're like, hey, don't forget, down below. Read me. Yes. Yes, so we should be doing that every time or no? Let your analytics do the talking. Test it. I'm a firm believer. It doesn't really work well for me. I have a lot of people who just look at my stuff. Like, I lovingly call them creepers. Like, they just want to look. They don't, they won't, when I say click up to go to my Instagram post from a stories, they won't. Uh -huh. But that's just, that, so you don't see me use that a lot. Yeah. Because I tested and it didn't work. You should test it, and if it works, do it all the time if it works. So who do you follow personally that you like just to follow? 
And then who do you follow professionally that you're like, man, they are so on their game and you draw inspiration from? Um, I love following Elsie um, Larson. You guys familiar with her? <laughs> she is uh, creative. She's a mom. Um, she does, like, She's just one of those people you look at and you're like, your life is so effortless. And then they, her and her husband recently adopted an albino Chinese girl named Nova. And then they adopted a second daughter and they bring people on in their journey. She's just a lifestyle, like she's a lifestyle person who's been able to monetize her brand in a really great way. I love her stuff. She's so creative. Like it's fully aspirational. Like I look at her life and I'm in sweatpants and greasy hair and I was like, one day I'll be like this. Uh, it's not tomorrow. But um, I really, really, really love her. And I really love following... Um, She's a YouTuber, and her name is Lily Singh. And um, she really built a career on YouTube, and then she parlayed that. And it's been really interesting to hear her talk, how she, you know, in like 2014, 2015, her whole objective was to use Facebook and to use Twitter to point everybody back to YouTube. And now she's always one step ahead of what people are doing. And now she says that like all of her content remains native on each platform. It's like she built her career on YouTube, but her Instagram content is for Instagram and Twitter content is for Twitter. And she was just like the only female who was in the late night show. She recently launched a late night show this last week. Last week, she goes on right after Jimmy Kimmel. So 1.35 in the morning, and this is where we see the industry going. Super, super, super interesting is She's one step ahead that her show is broadcasting on NBC at 1.35 in the morning. But what did they do? They filmed it at 10.35 and broadcast it to YouTube. Mm -hmm. So this is where you see, like NBC is scared because they're like, this girl's getting millions of views on a YouTube video and we're getting a really hard time getting millions of viewers on a late night network show. So this is like networks who are a decade behind trying to be like, oh, so how do we get these like millennials? Let's bring her in and let's see. And so she negotiated to be like, listen, I'm not, I'm gonna be set myself up for success. I thought that was really, really, really smart. She'll drive her numbers, and she's not going to do it on a network. She's going to drive her numbers by using YouTube and leveraging it into a network. So smart. So smart. So uh, where are we with YouTube? People are still using it, and it's oh, like still a thing. And man, all day, every day, all day, every day. And um, what we don't consider, what I want to encourage people to consider, is that YouTube is not for the day you make the video. It's not for the week you make the video. It's not for the month that you make the video. This is a search engine. So you can make a video that three years later, like let's just say, imagine, imagine if four years ago you made a Pokemon video and there was like 16 people to watch it, but you're like, it's the best Pokemon video to ever exist. And then all of a sudden, then Pokemon Go comes out three years later and people go to YouTube and like Pokemon information, Pokemon characters, and your video comes up. Imagine having a video that goes viral three years later because you were so ahead of the cultural conversation. So to me, it is a search engine. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. Um, someone had emailed in and asked specifically to ask you, how would we use Social Curator for a nonprofit? Does that make sense for yeah. us to invest in, you think? Um, you know, I, you and I will have a little conversation after, but I firmly believe in the stuff that we put out, and I believe that it works really well when it comes to building a personal brand. I do, however, really know that the cap, so we provide 30 lifestyle photos, 30 caption templates, and a monthly marketing plan. The monthly marketing plan could absolutely be turned over to who's doing the marketing for the month. Like this is us, we talk about YouTube, we talk about Facebook, we talk about how to go live on Instagram, how to use stories for your business. We offer deliverables, like done for you Instagram story templates that you could just download and put into your stories, use a poll, be like, have you joined the Austin Masquerade Ball? Yes, heck yes. And then all of a sudden somebody votes yes, there's a higher likelihood of seeing Austin Angels post come up. So that's what we're 100% about. 
Do I think that the photos that we have, they're lifestyle photos? Yes, infrequently, but yes. And I believe showing up every day is better than showing up twice a week. Mm -hmm. So that's where Social Curator comes in and provides the resources for that. Let's talk about Gary Vee for just a minute, because I watch him, and I was just telling Melissa in Houston that I want our organization to produce as much content as Gary, but I want it to be a little bit more refined, like yours. <laughs> He's a not, he has a naughty mouth. So for let's bring everybody up to speed. Uh, Gary openly says he produces 150 pieces of content per day. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in that, he also includes his tweets. He's very active on tweets. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, that is content. So he talks about building out his content pillars. I, that's aspirational for me. But what he will do is he talks about how he creates one piece of content, and that trickles down to everything else. So he's a big believer in document, not create. He has a videographer follow him all day, and at the end of the day, they produce about a 10 to 20 minute video that they put out on YouTube. And then what they'll do is they will create the same 10 to 20 minute video and create a truncated version for IGTV. And from that IGTV version, they'll create five assets of clips that are around um, 40 to 60 seconds, because on Instagram, on your feed, you can only post a 60-second video. IGTV can go up to 10 minutes. If you have a business account, it could be more than 10 minutes. Okay. So what he's doing is creating bite-sized content for Instagram so he can post four times a day. Bite-sized content differently for Facebook that's edited slightly differently in a square, has all of the verbiage on it. Then he's getting the videos and he's putting it on LinkedIn with a write-up. Then he's going over to the blog post posting the same video but with show notes written out so it's searchable on SEO. I mean, the guy has it so layered, it's ridiculous. Then he'll go live on Instagram, live on LinkedIn simultaneously, have the videographer record it to put it back on YouTube, Facebook, IGTV, all over again, day in, day out. Like, that's his job and it's incredible. And I believe that he set the standard for businesses. Yeah, I think so too. Gretchen, you look overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Tina. She asked a question. You just um, talked about having videos from prior and putting those on YouTube. I have heard before repurposing content that YouTube, yes, that you repurposing that YouTube likes when you do just a fresh video more than when you give them repurposed video. Is that no truth to that? Uh, uh, YouTube is now on an algorithm too. So if you have like a piece of content that's three years old, but it's like really good and people are engaging with it, like the algorithm determines. Okay. Video. So we use basically Vimeo. We put videos on there simply so I can get the link to put it into something else. Um, Vimeo versus YouTube and what is the question is Vimeo versus YouTube, and Vimeo is a platform for creators by creators. It's beautiful. Like if you want something to look really pretty. Like, it's Vimeo. If you want something that's easy to use, it's Vimeo. Like, if you want to embed it in a website, it's Vimeo. But, like, for searchability, it's a 1,000% YouTube. We don't post anything on Vimeo unless it's private behind a paywall and social curator. Everything else is frontward facing on YouTube. So should we do both? Should we have it on sure. Vimeo and then sure. post it on YouTube? Sure. Do you think that we should, each chapter should have a separate YouTube channel or should we have one YouTube channel that everyone contributes to? I love that she thinks so big. How many of y'all are creating videos on a weekly basis? But when you say that, like what types of videos? Like with the quality? Right, that's what I'm trying to figure out in my head. It's like, where's the line? Like where it's an Instagram story video, like just us talking through like how to go shop for a love boxing. No, like, an Instagram story would not be put on YouTube. I mean, unless it was like really, really, really funny. 
and like really, really, really engaging because people on the platform, whenever I try posting, um, I go live on Instagram twice a week and I will screen record when I'm live and then I'll create a video post from it because when you go live, it only stays for 24 hours. And so I'll take an aggregate. I usually answer four questions live. I do like coaching and usually just one of them is like a strong one. I'll get that, have my editor condense it, put it in like a square format, and then I'll share that to Instagram, which does okay. But when I get that same video and put it on Facebook, it just falls flat because it looks like it was an Instagram video that was posted to Facebook. And the same thing would occur if you put a, an Instagram video on YouTube. So as far as when I say create video, I really mean do you have a videographer or do you have an iPhone that's shot horizontally and edited like good enough? Then that's what I would say, creating a video. Does it have to be perfect? No. Does it have to be professional? No. But it has to look different than I'm just like, I'm on stories. So as far as the channel goes to answer Susan's question, I believe that right now you can have one aggregate channel, which I believe will like really build everything because we collectively are not creating content like at scale. So if you have a channel and you're posting it once a month, it doesn't really make sense. There's power in the people. So I would create one account. Y'all can send her videos. And then if there is a, an arm, if there is a chapter that's killing it, I know Susan will say, still send us your videos, but it's time for you to go and create. Okay, that's good. We're gonna switch gears a little bit here. Okay. okay, so what is giving you life right now? Oh, this is so cheesy. I know it's cheesy. I know, I know. My husband gives me life, y'all. Like, I know, I know it sounds cheesy, and he's dying in the back. He's like, no, no. Um, you know, to be able to to be able to do to build a business together and then to be able to travel, um, I'm a girl from the hood. Dang it. You can make you I'm gonna cry. Go ahead, cry. Dang it. <laughs> no, I mean, um, when you have immigrant parents and you grow up like on government assistance, like I always dreamed, like I would be able to see the world. And we have. What I didn't expect was to see how beautiful America is. Like this is a country that gave my family everything. So we're driving and we're looking around and I think to myself, this is America. Like this is something I've never seen before in my life. And we pull up and we stay in an Airbnb, like a prefab. I walk in and there's like a hammock on the front and it's silent. I, I'm a city girl. It's silent, and I just sit there and I'm like, I think we've just done made it. Like we made it. So to be able to do that, and then to to do that, and then to do, to do that with somebody who like gets it, like who's just there, like for the ride, I think is like the greatest gift. So that totally gives me life. I love yes. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. What are you building in your life that you are the most proud of? I'm building a team. <clears throat> My mentor said, you can hustle your way to a million dollars. And that's it. You can't hustle your way beyond that. And thank you, God, for that ability. And then thank you, God, for the realization that it was impossible. And that the only way that you expand beyond that is by bringing people on. And then I realized that when you build a team, it is zero about you. You lose your autonomy, but you gain a vision as a result. That's good. That's quote worthy. How do you want to be seen in the world? I want to be known for somebody who gave everything she possibly could. I dream, I have this big goal and aspiration that we get to a point in our lives and business where we can give away 90% of what we get. And hold on, you are not looking at a future Mother Teresa. Like, I'm gonna live a really nice life. I'm gonna have a nice car, a nice home, stay at nice hotels. I'm gonna do the nice stuff and still be able to give 90%. Wow. I would love that. If your entire life was a movie, what would the title be? Oh man. I know, Jasmine Star. That's yeah. it. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's enough. No, I mean, I just believe, like, you know, the girl who made an impossibility a possibility. 
Oh, that's good. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite comedy movie? Oh, I mean, this is really bad. I it just, I don't know why it comes to mind. I'll just say whatever comes to mind. I really love Bridesmaids. <laughs> why? I don't know why. I don't even know. That show, I mean, it's like, you know, they have, they have it like a loop on Bravo, like at randomly late at night on like a Saturday. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm not going to watch it. And then I sit at the edge of my bed and I know what's coming and I'm laughing before it comes. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. I love it. Okay. So besides JD, who is your best girlfriend and why? Well, JD wouldn't be my best girlfriend. Oh, Thank well, you, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Best friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who's your best my best JD? friend. Another cheesy answer. I have a twin sister, Bianca. She's like so funny. Yeah, she's my best friend for sure. She is your best friend. Oh, yeah. I love that. Why? Why is she your best friend? You know, it's like, it's just, it's really nice to be able to, like, we have, I know it sounds really weird, but we have like twin moments to where you're so strongly struck. You're like, I need to call her. And it could be just like a sister thing too. Um, but it's like very strong. And we're like, are you twinning? She's like, I'm twinning. What's going on? Uh, so yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Okay, what's your favorite restaurant? What kind of food do you eat? And what's your favorite restaurant? I'm so annoying. And this is not something, something you say in Texas, but I'm a gluten-free vegetarian. Like that is just, like, I'm no fun to eat with. Like it's just truth. So um, I always tell my husband, like I have decision fatigue. I make decisions all day for the team and the company. And so I refuse to make a decision as where she'll go out to dinner. And so I'm like, you just find a place. And what I do, I'm like queen of looking at um, ingredients on the menu and then making my own thing. I'm queen of that. I was like, I like some egg whites on the side, put a little of the dill, a salad. I want this dressing with the side of this. And they're just like, and, and, and. I'm just like, I'm sorry, it's not possible. I was like, how about this? Whatever you want to charge me, I'll pay for it. Like, that's it. And that's like a, a moment that you get to in your life. And you're just like, it feels really, it feels good to say that. Mm -hmm. It does. So JD's a cook, right? Yes. JD, did you, y'all went to Salt Lake last night? You guys were in these back roads yeah. and Waze doesn't work the way it works in the city. And so I know, I know that we made it. I know we made it to almost Salt Lake. I know we made it. I know we were almost there. And I went from hungry to hangry and oh, I was yeah. like, I need food. No! And then like, we passed by some distillery. There's a tequila distillery. Uh, in the, yes. Okay, you guys yeah. know where that is? And then we went to this place called like Tilly's. Oh, yes. No, no, no. Don't say yes. Oh, because it says you're here and we're nowhere. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing around us. And we're driving up and down, up and down. I was like, okay. Did you pull into a gas station? I'm done. No. We went to El Rey. What? Mexican food? El Rey? I said it, I said it in Spanish and everyone's like, no, we don't have that. Let me try it again. El Rey? Oh. <laughs> we did. We did. Okay, so we'll be back in July, 2020, okay. for our National Angels Conference, okay. and we're going to get you some good barbecue. Yeah. Okay. If you had to choose to live without one of your five senses, which would it be? So sight, sound, smell, taste, or touch, which one would you lose and why? I would probably want to be deaf because, oh, my husband, I don't cook, but honestly, I'd make a, a phenomenal sous chef because you could put any spice on my tongue. I can taste any wine, and I'm like, you know what? I'm tasting hints of juniper. And my husband would be like, no, this is actually juniper steamed barrel that we had. I'm like, I'm telling you. <laughs> so like, my taste is like really there. Um, I'm super, super, super intuitive. I watch people. Uh -huh. This is a result. I grew up obese as a child. I was 100, almost 180 pounds. I was less than five foot. I was 11 years old. Like most girls at that age are like borrowing clothes from their mom. I'm like, dad, got an extra large shirt for me? Um, <laughs> That was the best gift of my life. Because when people push you on the margins, it forces you to watch from the outside. And I feel like that has served me so well as an adult. So I wouldn't lose my vision. 
What's the craziest thing you've ever done? I mean, I'm not crazy. That's just truth. I'm like legitimately not crazy. I like I'm, I do a ton of calculated risk. I think like the craziest thing I've done is like we got married, we got we plan we got engaged and planned a wedding, and got married in less than three months. Whereas for a girl who has like color coded Excel spreadsheets, I'm like this doesn't fit in my plan. Um, and so like that was like my version of crazy. Um, but yeah. If you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who would that be and why? It's a toss up between Michelle Obama and. Oprah. Uh, I know Oprah is like really cliche, but legitimately, I heard a podcast with her and Gladwell, Gla Malcolm Gladwell, and Oprah Winfrey had a conversation. And of course, they're recording it in Montecito, so you hear the birds chirping in the background, having deep intellectual conversations. I was like, these are my friends, and they just don't know it. Um, so yeah, Oprah. Like Oprah's still like queen. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And to tell us about your adoption journey. What have you learned through this process? <sighs> just patience. Patience, 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 and like more patience. Um, I believe that the reason we, uh, we, we thought we were starting the international um, process and then we went to an agency, a Christian agency, a wonderful Christian agency called Bethany. And then we, when we were there, they asked, is anybody here interested in foster to adopt? And my husband and I were like, definitely not us, no. And like a five minute, like this is what foster to adopt is. And I was just like, I'm not gonna ask him about this. On the way home, I was like, so, that was really weird, like that conversation about foster to adopt. And he was like, yeah, really weird. And I was like, totally not us, totally not us. And we stopped for dinner and we're like, should we just check it out? Well, let's check it out. So then we checked it out and we went through the training and that is how we got connected with Susan. And then when we went through the entire training process, it was just statistically like what we heard in California specifically where we live, we would have to be paired with like around four children carrying the children for four to six months. And like at this point in my life and in my relationship, I was like, I'm so ready to love and have something as our own. And I realized that emotionally, I just wasn't ready for it. I felt like a failure. Like I felt like it hit really hard. And then Susan's like, don't worry about it. You don't have to foster to make a difference. Exactly. And I know it was like a story that I was telling myself. So then we decided to move forward with uh, a lawyer and an agency. And I do believe that our hearts are still called to foster care. It's just probably not right now. I would just love to start our family and get that grounded first. So we're officially official. And like we thought, like we market and brand businesses, like that's what we do. And so I was like, my book's going to be legit. We're you know, what they call transracial. Transracial people are like hot commodities because you're mixed. And we're brown, and there's not a lot of brown people who are adopting. And I was like, okay, there's gonna be brown mamas, and we're gonna look like, basically I was like, we're gonna be like the Ritz Carlton of adopted parents. <laughs> like, you know, pictures of our house, we live on the beach, we're Californians, and it's like straight up crickets. I was like, oh. And then so my husband, super analytical, was like, we gotta change a book, we gotta change a story. And I think this is like the first time in my life where I'm like, Oh no, like I believe, like I believe that the perfect child is waiting. We don't, I want a baby girl. I do. I have a feeling we're going to get a boy. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to get a boy. But um, perfect, I believe it. And it's not, it's really not like nice talk. And it's really not Instagram talk. It's really, I believe it. Like perfect timing because the perfect baby is getting created or is created waiting for us. Absolutely. So my friends, I hope you are having a wonderful Giving Tuesday. And I also hope that this conversation provided insight into why I am so passionate about this amazing organization. I believe that we have the power to surround and support every child in the foster care system. If you are listening and you would like to make a donation on behalf of the Austin Angels nonprofit, it would mean the world to me. I know holidays are a tough time for a lot of families, and I empathize with that on a really deep and personal level. 
But if you are in the fortunate position and you have 10 or 20 or whatever else you can give dollars, I promise you this holiday season, a child in the foster care system will see hope for their future. I can say this because I was one of the lucky people who had the opportunity to put together a love box for a family of five children. And when they opened it up, they saw love. And we had the blessed opportunity to go to their trailer home. And while they're away at school, we decorated a tree. We set the table. We gave them stockings, all with their names personalized. And it was one of the first Christmases that they were able to open brand new gifts. And that was a powerful experience that I would love so many people to take a part of and or support. So if you'd like to find a National Angels organization near you or make a donation, you can visit austinangels.com to find ways to get involved and change the future of children in foster care. Or even if you can't donate, no worries, I love that. But if you could share this episode to spread the awareness for positive change within the system and giving Tuesday in general, that would be amazing. So thank you for listening, thank you for sharing, and I'll talk to you soon. 